The Apostle John is rumored to be the only one of the original disciples of Jesus to not die a gruesome and violent death. Church legend tells us he was boiled alive in oil only to escape unharmed. It was then he was sent to live in exile on the island of Patmos. On Patmos, John was given a vision from Jesus himself, and this account came to form the book of Revelation, the last book of our Bible. Sometimes violent, other times confusing, and almost always kind of weird, the book of Revelation contains advice for the church, prophecy of future events, and tells of things that have since happened. Once again, Jesus is the main character, but no longer does he appear as a small child in a manger or a martyr beaten and abused to the point of death. No, here he is shown in his full glory. King Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, with eyes like fiery flame and a voice like raging waterfalls. God himself stands before John and commands him to write what he sees. John obliges. Lord Jesus, with a face as bright as the sun, speaks, and his church does well to listen. Shield your eyes, open your hearts, and join us in the presence of the God of the universe. Let his words burn warning and joy as our King triumphant speaks. Those who have ears, let them listen to the God who reigns with all power and honor and glory. Listen and hear the last word. Well, that's the last time we see that video, because uh, this is the last sermon we have in the last word. Um, I will no longer make any that long or intense. Every time she was like doing the voiceover, I was like, dude, be more intense. This is like super intense. And then every time we would watch it, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so intense. So uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I, she did an amazing job, but uh, I definitely should have used the like less intense <laughs> takes that she did. So this is our last message in the last word, um, which is we're talking through the book of Revelation. And we've been through a lot. Um, and one of the things that I love about having gone through this series in the book of Revelation is, um, like, we suffer a lot on this earth, don't we? Like, we're surrounded by pain and suffering. And to look to God and say, this is not forever. Um, not only is God making all things new, God will one day um, make everything finished, new, and beautiful, and perfect. And so to look forward to that gives me hope because when I'm surrounded by um, things that just hurt, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative to know that there will be a day when every tear will be wiped away. It just gives me peace. Um, I have this reminder that a crying church ain't a dying church for you guys today. When we hear kids crying, when we hear kids asking for stuff, it means there's life. And so we just appreciate that. And um, I can take you guys to several churches across the nation where there's no crying and there's a problem. It's because... There's no, there's no growth. There's no children. Um, and so we just say, when you hear kids, maybe think to pray for those kids. When kids run up and start yelling, Daddy, which sometimes that's my kids, uh, like, praise God. 
that there are parents who love their children and look up to them, and uh, we're, we're stoked about it. So today, we're going to be in the book of Revelation 22, um, and uh, we have Bibles available in that corner over there um, if you want to read them. Uh, the reason why we sometimes ask you to read along is just so you, you know that I don't make it up. Um, but you can pull it up in your apps, on your Bible app, on your phone, or you can just pretend and um, check out NBA playoffs. So this is Revelation 22, 7 through 21. Um, Revelation 22, 7 through 21. It's a little long today. It's because we're finishing. You know, we just got to make sure we finish. <laughs> and so I'm going to be reading to you um, from verse 7 in Revelation 22. Hopefully you found it by now. Um, it's the back of the Bible, the very last page, basically, except for, like, content, table of contents. Okay, verse 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. Then he said to me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may be uh, have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. And thus ends the Bible. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the peace that only you can provide. Thank you for the, for the rest that only you can provide. Um, Lord, you lift up weary souls. Those who have trudged into this elementary school hoping for some form of respite, God, I pray that you would provide it. God, we know that hope is only found in you, and we cling to your hope this morning. Help us to know you better this morning, not like so our brains can be bigger, but so we can become more and more like you and know you better, not just know about you. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so I have a question for you guys. Um, are any of you the sick people that like to read the end of the book before you even start it? Is there any weirdo like that in here? Is there anyone who likes to do that? Yes. Yes, you are? I don't know. Are you just trying to be nice because nobody? Okay. Oh my gosh, you are twisted. Okay, so I'll just be honest. Um, I always thought that people who did that were just the worst kind of people and they should be distrusted as sociopaths. And since it's just Jen, I can say it's still true. No, I'm just kidding. Um, however, recent studies have shown 
that uh, weirdos like that might be onto something. Um, I'm going to read to you uh, from Allison Flood in The Guardian. And it's interesting because this study originated in San Diego. It's kind of cool. A study by Nicholas Christenfeld and Jonathan Levitt of UC San Diego's psychology department, due to be published in the journal Psychological Science, gave subjects 12 short stories by authors including Agatha Christie, Roald Dahl, and John Updike. Some were presented in their classic form, others with spoiler paragraphs, with each version read by at least 30 people. And you know what? The spoiled, spoiled readers had more fun. Subjects, quote, subjects significantly preferred the spoiled versions of ironic twist stories where, for example, it was revealed before reading that a condemned man's daring escape is all a fantasy before the noose snaps tight around his neck, the research revealed. The same held true for mysteries, knowing ahead of time that Poror, I don't know how to say that, will discover that the apparent target of attempted murder is in fact a perpetuator, not only didn't hurt enjoyment of the story, but actually improved it. So people who read the spoiler alert beforehand enjoyed the story even better. I see dead people. So um, I hope that today, as we look forward to the end, reading the last word from God, you will find some enjoyment in knowing the end of the story. Um, and so today, I have three points for you from God's grand finale. And my first point for you is to worship the right things. Um, take a look at verse 8. It says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said, bro, don't do that. I'm a that's, sorry, that's not in there. I'm a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So that's what he says, okay? Um, so John, who spent his, much of his life knowing Jesus, being in the presence of God for this vision, he's still confused who to worship. Like, John, dude, like, you know Jesus, right? Like, this dude's an angel. Don't worship the angel. And still he gets it wrong. Um, like, if John had that problem, do you think we might have the same problem, that we could easily fall into the same temptation? I would say yes. Um, like, this section is so confusing already, right? Okay, so if you look at it very carefully and you delineate, like, what's going on, um, you got to like, you, like, so when I study, I study hard for you guys so that you'll understand. One of the things that I realize is John is speaking, the angel is speaking, Jesus is speaking. And, and if we're not careful, we might read the wrong person doing the wrong thing. And we might think the wrong person is the wrong thing. So the Bible can be confusing, right? Like, when is Jesus speaking? Okay, is that John speaking or is that the angel speaking? Like, you can be confused, but we have the same problem as John, don't we? We misunderstand who is God and who's not. I can stand up before you as your pastor and say, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm in need of a savior. If you ever look to me for divine guidance, uh, and I'm not just pointing you to the Bible, then you, be careful what I say to you. Um, if we are not careful, we can all easily replace Jesus with religious practices or something else. I'm not going to name names of other churches uh, in our city, but there are churches that are going to worship the experience of God the experience of God so much that we might miss who God is. Can I say that again? Sometimes we can worship the experience and the gifts and the joy that comes with God as God, but we miss who he is if we do that. We miss on a lot of good things. Now, now uh, Matthew seven twenty two through 23 says this. This is Jesus' words. Matthew seven twenty two. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? 
Then I, Jesus, will announce to them, I never, knew from, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Like, these people did all the things that they thought Jesus wanted them to do, and he's like, I don't know you. Who are you? What, what are you prophesying for me for? I don't, you're, not even a, you're not even a friend. Sometimes we can confuse God very easily with things that are, seem like God. Sometimes we can confuse the beautiful gifts that God gives us with God. Like an angel, for the most part, can be a pretty good thing. Um, uh, you know, barring, you know, like the devil and stuff, because he was an angel of light also. Um, but sometimes we look at the wrong thing. I want to show you two pictures right now. Um, and Nate, I, I want you to figure out which one of these are tomatoes. So here's picture one. Are these tomatoes? Or picture two, are these tomatoes? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, well, let's show one again. Are these tomatoes? Picture two. Are these tomatoes? So I want you to raise your hand if it's picture one. Go back to one. Do you think these are tomatoes? Raise your hand. Okay. Now let's switch to picture two. Do you think these are tomatoes? Okay. Majority think the second one is tomatoes. The answer is neither. I totally tricked you. Uh, someone was probably new from the beginning. This is called horse nettle. Um, horse nettle, I'm going to read to you from Wikipedia, the description of horse nettle. All parts of the plant, including its tomato-like fruit, are poisonous to varying degrees due to the presence of solanine glycolichanoids, which is a toxic alkaloid and one of the plant's natural defenses. Ingesting any part of the plant can cause fever, headache, scratchy throat, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Ingesting the fruit can cause abdominal pain, circulatory and respiratory depression, or death. Now, this grows all over the United States, actually. It's, it's related to tomatoes. It's a uh, nightshade, um, and uh, it, it can kill you. But it looks just like a, a tomato, right? Like, if I saw this in nature, I would be like, that's going in my pasta. Um, but it grows naturally all over the United States. And sometimes we have this problem that we will look to something that looks good, and uh, if, we don't, if we don't practice wisdom, and uh, we don't listen to people perhaps around that can help us, we're, we're, we're drinking death, eating death. So First um, John 5, 20 uh, through 21 says this, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Why would, they, why would he say that right after there? Well, there's a reason. It's because um, we tend to follow whatever um, is easy. We tend to follow whatever seems good. And here what it is saying is, like, dude, it's Jesus. Jesus is good. And so sometimes we're like, dude, I'm going to follow what's ever on TV. Sometimes we're confused by blogs. Sometimes we're, and we can get so excited about all these other things that we miss who, like, Jesus is truth. Jesus is love. And so when we chase after all these other things, we're eating death. We're death eaters. Oh, Harry Potter. That's cool. Okay. Um, so this is why we read through the Bible in church. This is why a lot of times we'll pick a book and we'll go straight through it. Because a lot of times, if, if we are not careful, your pastor can decide he wants to talk about something. Man, I want to talk about this. So I'm going to pick this verse. And I'm just going to pick one little line. I'm not going to give you any context. And then I'm just going to tell you, trust me. And and unless we're reading our Bibles, and unless we're as a church going through the Bible, which I'm, I hope that you feel we're trying to do, and unless you're surrounding yourself with people who, who actually want your welfare, not just like to be liked by you, um, then you may end up uh, going after the wrong thing. 
So this is why we do what we do. This is why we put the importance of the Bible, because we believe that it's God's word. And so some of you today might not believe that. And I just want to say to you, like, that's okay. Like, we're not mad at you. We don't hate you. We don't think you're dumb. Um, because um, I'd say almost everyone in the room at one point was there. Or we just said, dude, the Bible seems kind of wackadoodle, right? Like, it's weird. And if, like, if you go to certain verses that people pick out of context, you'll be like, that's crazy. Um, and yet, here I am saying, I believe it to be the absolute truth. And I hope you do too, but, but we welcome you no matter what. So um, this is why we read through the Bible, because if I'm twisting God's word, you can look right at it and say, nope, Pastor Dale. Like, Pastor Dale, you had bad sushi last night, and, and you're talking crazy. It's also why we surround ourselves with the church, because they can tell us the things we need to hear. You can find tasty theology online, but it leads to death. You need people around you who are willing to speak honestly and truthfully, and that's why we have the church. We love each other well, and sometimes that means we bring each other like baked goods when someone's sick. Other times that means we go to their house and say, I'm worried about you. Are you okay? Can I help? I feel like you're making bad decisions. Things like that. Um, There are things that well-meaning Christians worship instead of God. And um, sometimes if we don't inform ourselves with the word of God, we will struggle. Um, I know people who worship theology, the study of God. That'll become so important that they're a jerk to everyone around them. And I'm like, that's not from God. Um, I know some people that they'll see that God gives great gifts. Sometimes we'll talk about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they'll be so into that, into the gifts of God, that they will worship those gifts. Sometimes they will worship the blessing of God. Have you ever been to a church where it's like, Um, God wants to give you everything you want. And so we'll start to worship those things that God can give us. And yet, we miss the giver. Um, How about obedience? Do you worship obedience? Maybe the idea that if you just work really hard, then you're going to be in God's graces. Another way that we can worship the wrong thing. How about the church? Sometimes we'll make the church more more important than God. We'll just say, this is my church. And, And if there's problems or anything like that, we'll just say, no, 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 the church is my God. Leaders, you'll look to someone like me and think, maybe Dale has it together, which is the, the dumb, dumbest thing that you could ever do because uh, I don't have it together. But we do this thing where we just seek out idols. And sometimes the idols are money. Sometimes the idols are other things. And let me just define an idol for you, okay? Um, it's anything that replaces God. Uh, another term, another phrase that we might use is it's good things made ultimate. Good things made ultimate. Let's not bow down to anything other than God. So we see admonishment to worship God only. Next, we see that we can only clothe ourselves with God's righteousness if we desire entrance to his holy city. Uh, Join me in verse 11. Oh, and the, the second point is clothe yourselves in Christ. This has been a consistent theme throughout Revelation, right? We've heard it. Like what we drink and what we clothe ourselves in, that's kind of a big deal to God. And, uh, Let me read you verse 11. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Now, if we took that out of context, y'all, like what we would do is we would say, this world is sinful and broken. Screw those people. We're going to go be holy and forget everybody else. That's how you could take this out of context. And that's how some people do take Bible verses out of context. That's not what it's saying. Did I say screw people? In the, yeah, that's okay. Okay, verse 12. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega. So now we know this is Jesus talking, right? I am the Alpha and Omega. Nobody else gets that title. Um, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter into the city by the gates. 
outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So we've heard this mentioned before, this idea of clothing yourselves in white. You remember, if you were with us when we talked about this city called Laodicea, they were like super into their, their sheep. They had these awesome black sheep. It was like a good thing to have black sheep. And the sheep were the softest, well-known all over. People wanted the Laodicea sheep clothing. Um, and Jesus was like, man, you guys are naked. Like you are naked before me. You need to wear my white clothes which would just symbolize unstained, right? I like wearing black because it's slimming, but, you know, Jesus wants to wear us, uh, put us in, in white. Um, so he says, let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. M- my first reaction is like, hmm, that's kind of rough, right? Like, is there anyone else that's like, why, what? Isn't Jesus like, like welcoming to everyone? Like, doesn't he want to welcome everyone in? Like, that's what he's about, right? Like, he wants to include people. But, um, but I believe that, This is saying that at this point, those who have sinned, it will be too late. But this is not now, right? This is in the future that he's talking about. So uh, I believe what's happening is is, um, when Christ gathers those who are in his family, they have been cleaned by him. There's nothing they've done to earn his love. He has poured out his love on them, and he has clothed them in his clothing. It's not like they did something awesome to earn it. They confessed him as Lord, and they get to wear the robe, okay? Um, but there will be a point. And guess what? This is the point that he's talking about when it's too late. You guys, that's my nightmare, when it's too late. Because right now, it's not too late. And, and when I became a Christian when I was 16, um, I became like, A, I was kind of a jerk at first because I was just like going out and telling people they were sinners, and I just, I want you to be saved. Please trust Jesus. And all my buddies are like, wait, so are we not getting drunk later? And I'm like, no, 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 I want to tell you about Jesus. Let's go, let's go, you know. And, um, and I probably, you know, I, I was just so like, oh my gosh, time is so short. And, and I'll tell you what, very little has changed in me because I so desire for people to have the peace that transcends all understanding, and I so desire for them to be saved in the way that I was saved from my life that was headed towards a life of death. And so um, the thing is, is that it is not too late, because this is about the future. It's not too late. And so um, he, he calls those who do not wear the righteousness of Christ, those who are outside the holy city, he calls them dogs. Um, now, Nepalese a Bible scholar, like from Nepal, uh, Ramesh Katri, he interprets it this way. He says, those who choose to continue to sin and reject Christ's offer of forgiveness will not have the right to enter the city. So Ramesh can really understand this idea because he was born in an upper caste, a, a Hindu upper caste family. But when he converted to Jesus, he was out. He was kicked out. And so um, he understands this well. Um, the noun dogs uh, used here in the Greek word is uh, kuyon. Um, I listen to like a southern guy say it over and over again, and so that's my best impression of it, kuyon. This term was also used for uh, male, I don't know what you call them, male men of the night. <laughs> yeah. um, these kuyon, these dogs, um, it feels to me a little bit maybe like the hyenas in uh, The Lion King. You know, they were like where the darkness was, like we don't go into the shadows, Simba. That's kind of like where the dogs are, right? Um, <clears throat> and so, like, the thing is, is that that would have been like not too foreign an idea to those who are understanding this because many of the readers of this would have been Jewish. And if you were suffering from a disease like leprosy, you were kept out of the city. 
Um, now, now, we could get like mad that they kept people out of the city, but they didn't understand infection or anything like that. Like God, the Bible introduced a ton of uh, information for people who didn't understand medicine yet to separate someone with an infection that could infect others. Um, but okay, so uh, you guys know that a couple weeks ago, I was in Arkansas, right? And I looked up at the sky and I was like, what in the world is up there? There were these things, they were uh, stars. Um, I hadn't seen them very many because, you know, we have what, what seven here? Um, and so I looked up in the sky, and it was amazing. Now, why could I see the stars? Because it was dark here. It was dark there, right? We have, like, light pollution here. Now, can you imagine what it would be like to be outside of a town? Like, the town is brighter than Arkansas, the, the ancient town. Like, they had few lights at night. What must it have been like to be outside? In the ancient world, can you imagine the despair that you would feel? Alone, in the dark, you'd hear, like, some, some like twig break nearby, you're like looking around, you're worried the whole time, you're scared, you don't feel safe. Jesus is saying, those who are welcomed into the safety of my holy city are those who are found in me, are those who have allowed me to wrap them in white because I love them. He wraps them in his righteousness, not ours. So friends, if you walk away from today thinking, if I just try hard enough, I'll be welcomed into the holy city, I think you've still missed it. If you, Because you cannot earn your way into the city. But let me say this. If you are seeking to follow Christ, you also cannot unearn your entrance either. Like you got the golden ticket, yo. You cannot out-sin God's grace if you are found in him. And what does Jesus offer us? Complete, utter forgiveness. He, he offers us this big word, imputed righteousness. It's a, it's a phrase I've taken from the Bible. It's not one I made up. Imputed righteousness is this idea that like, um, first off, uh, we have, our sin is imputed into Jesus. Like when he died on the cross, it was like there was an injection of all of our sin straight into him that he took on for us. Then it's like his righteousness was given to us. So when the father looks at us he doesn't see all the junk we've done. It's not like some like Truman show where he's going to like rewind everything you did. It's this like, oh, I see Jesus. When the Father sees you, if you have accepted Jesus, he just sees Jesus. Like how good is that? Because, oh my gosh, that show would get really good ratings about my life. <clears throat> Can I just tell you guys something crazy that happened to me on Friday? I was, thank you, gosh, I love it, Jen, when you holler back at me. Thank you. Um, I was in my backyard, and I saw, like, a little bit of fur, like, just a little bit of fur, like, and I was like, that's weird. What is, why is there just a little bit of fur? At first, I thought it was scat. You guys know what scat is? Like, when an owl or a coyote, like, eats something, it kind of passes through some fur, and I was like, that's kind of cool, like, nature, you know, we have the trolley, and we still have nature here, um, and so there was a stick right next to it, and I thought, I'm going to pick up this stick, and I'm going to, like, touch it, you know? Um, and so I picked up the stick and that was the tail of the rat that had been pieces. And I just, I did the like, uh, and nobody saw me. <laughs> Praise Jesus. I mean, I was like doing the, <laughs> like you guys kind of live near me. You might've heard me scream because I, that was, I mean, what are the chances that I get the tail? Oh, so gross. And you know, first thing I did, ran in the house, washed my hands, you know, wash it over again. Um, and then I washed my hands again, um, and then I picked up a bag, and I did that thing. Um, but the thing is, is like in our neighborhood, we have a lot of people who kind of live nearby, 
in our neighborhood, it's not the dogs that we like can't stand. I mean, sometimes in the middle of the night, maybe, but it's the cats. The cats. <clears throat> the cats are the worst in our neighborhood. These feral cats that come in and. Um, yeah, so in some ways, I feel like if we're going to contextualize the dogs, it's the cats. I hate those things anyway, and I know some of you guys got cats, and I'm sorry, I just offended you. Cannot stand cats. The cats hang out outside our window and mate. <clears throat> and they sound like babies crying. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's like, and I've gone outside like, dude, someone abandoned a baby. What is going on? Like, why is there a baby out in the street? And instead, it's cats. It's cat, and um, so I have this, so, <laughs> oh, you guys are going to, like, you guys know how sinful I am after this. Uh, we have this, like, these great fences that we built in our backyard, these white vinyl fences, and we built them that way because we have a special needs kid that was going to climb our fence, and, like, there was, like, razor wire and everything. We just were like, we got to, like, whatever we got to do, we got to take out a loan to put out these fences because we don't want them climbing onto the trolley tracks, anything like that. So we put up these awesome vinyl fences and somehow the cats still get in to our backyard. Lousy cats. Um, you guys are going to hate me, but I take the hose. <laughs> and I just spray those cats. I like thinking, like, you're never coming back after this. But then it's like, they don't know how to get out. And so they start, like, trying to climb up the fence. And I'm like, do I keep spraying them or not? No, I want them gone. So I keep spraying them. They're freaking out, trying to jump up the fence. Finally, they find this little section where they go, and they're gone but I have so much disdain for those cats. They gave diseases to like the DeSouza's dog. They brought like, uh, like all these fleas into their backyard. They're just, they, they're, like they're, they're worse to me than the rat that they killed. Um, they're not welcome. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying the dogs are not welcome in the city. Now, I actually think that he's talking, uh, he's, he's using, uh, not hyperbole, he's using, what's the word? Help me out. Metaphor. He's using metaphorical language because I think that dogs are going to be there in heaven. Maybe not your dog, but a dog. Um, and so, <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta rein this in, right? Um, here's the thing. I was raised to believe there are many paths to God. But the more I learn about God and his kindness, the less I see how this can be true. He is just and he is kind. And he reaches out to all people he reaches out often through his church. If you're in Iran or someplace where the church is unable to get into as easily, he reaches out to people through dreams and visions. And it's crazy to hear what is happening in the Middle East because God sends people or God sends dreamers. It, uh, but, but God is just. And what I believe he is doing is I believe he's constantly reaching out to us. And he's saying, I want you to enter through the gate. I don't want you trying to climb in some other way. And there's only one entrance through the gate. And it is when we surrender our lives to Jesus and say, man, you got a better, you, like, you know this better than me. And you have figured out this not sinning thing so much better than me. And you have made this sacrifice on behalf of me. And I can't do it. And then, instead of these like ugly cats trying to claw themselves into the city, trying to claw themselves into where they can taste the fruit of life or drink from, from the, the water of life, we are welcomed in with open arms because of Jesus, not because of us. That is the beauty of the gospel, is that it's not something you can do. It's that Jesus left heaven and came to this earth on our behalf, 
lived a perfect life, but he lived a dirty, grimy life where he suffered from illness and where he had to submit to his mom and where he, he got dirty and where he got sick and where he got made fun of and where they pulled out his beard, where people spat on him, where people talked behind his back and ultimately where he was killed. And that's the gospel, that he did this on our behalf so we might be able to walk. You know what? We might be able to strut into the holy city. Like, our heads held high. No shame, because he's taken our shame. We can just walk into the city and say, man, I'm covered. I'm covered by the blood. I'm covered by his righteousness. We had a sin problem, and it was taken care of by good God. That is the beauty of the gospel. Now, there is one unforgivable sin in the Bible. And I want to read to you from Mark 28 through 30. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for all kinds of sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has unclean spirit. Here's the deal, guys. I'm going to give you my interpretation of this. There might be smarter people out there that have a better one, but after consulting and reading from them, my interpretation is when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, this is what you do. You say, God, I don't need you. You're saying, I don't need your Holy Spirit. I don't need your forgiveness. I got this. That is the one unforgivable sin in the Bible as I read it. It's to say, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. And so... um, what I say to you is to look to that gift of the gospel and to say, God, you are my ticket. You are my love. You are who can carry me through even now. To look to the gift of the gospel and say, nope. Even as God's Holy Spirit tells you the truth, to reject him is to be left out of God's holy city. So how do we rectify this, fam? And in, in our third point, it says Christ is available da, 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 for now. Christ is available for now. Because I don't know when this happens. We just know it's in the future. And matter of fact, um, in the Bible it says, like, there are certain verses where it says, like, hey, lock this up and save it for later. There, there are verses in the Old Testament will be like, hey, this prophecy is going to come later, just like buried in the ground and it'll come true eventually. This one is like, hey, time's coming. Like, it's coming. And so um, if you ever feel like I am pushy, like a salesman, or trying to like get you into like a condo timeshare, um, I'm pushy for one reason only, and it's because I absolutely love Jesus. I love that he saved me, and I want him to save everyone. So our third point is Christ is available for now. It says, both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I think we see Jesus at this point saying to those who are clothed in white that they have access to eternal life in him, that they can drink life everlasting, and that Jesus is the living water, and in him is that life. It's a clear reminder um, for me of the time that Jesus met the woman at the well. In the heat of the day, she was there because all the other women were talking trash about her. Like, she knew that she had been with many men and, the, and, and that the women were, like, coming and they were coming to the well and gossiping in the morning. Now, I'm not going to say women just are the only ones that gossip because dudes are just as bad. Um, but she would go in the heat of the day to draw from the well. Why? Because she was embarrassed. And Jesus met her there. And what did he say to her? He said, 
If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where are you going to get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as his sons did in livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Um, If you accept Jesus, you are going to struggle. If you are a believer in Christ, you're still going to struggle because we're on this earth and there's just going to be some thirst in us that says something's wrong. It's not right. Why is this not perfect yet? And here in this picture of the gospel, in the picture at the very end on the last page of the Bible, we see that there is a day when we'll never thirst again. Jesus offers you living water today, though. Don't put it off. Like, do you guys ever have those things that you wish you bought before? Like, okay, like in 2008, when the like, economy crumbled, I loved to look at stocks. This was like right around the time before my daughter was born, when I had like, what's that thing called, money? Um, and uh, I looked at Starbucks stock, and it was $6 per share. Um, and so like, if you had bought 1,000 shares, you'd, that would be $6,000 that you invested in Starbucks, which is like the lowest I had seen it. Um, it's $59 now. So uh, you'd have like $60,000 now. And I just wish, oh, if only I had acted. I did say I was going to do it. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy Starbucks. I know they're going to stick around and maybe not. I don't know. And then, um, but maybe like you guys aren't stock investors like me, like in my suit and I'm so fancy. Um, Did anyone have a Teddy Ruxpin when they were a kid? I had a Teddy Ruxpin. Do you guys know what that is? It's like a, like a, like a teddy bear. And you put a cassette in him and he talks to you and tells you stories. Do you guys know what a cassette is? Okay, cool. Um, Those are $1,500 now. Teddy Ruxpin. Scary Teddy Ruxpin that they probably made scary movies about, right? Um, He-Man. There are He-Man, like action figures, for four grand on eBay. Like I found them on eBay for four grand. Cabbage Patch Kids are thousands of dollars. Uh, Garbage Pail Cards. Did you guys have Garbage Pail Kids? Those little cards with like creepy little babies. Those are thousands of dollars. And and you just look back and you're like, I missed it. I know my dad had a Mickey Mantle rookie card that my grandma threw out because baseball cards were a waste of time. You look at these things and you're like, why didn't I think to save it? Why didn't I think to buy that? Why didn't I think to do that? And I think that when those people arrive and they have rejected Christ, they will say, he reached out to me. He offered grace to me. He offered love to me. He offered to clothe me, and all I had to say was yes. And they're going to go, whatever, I'm just, just forget this. I'm just going to be out, out, outside the gates. They're going to struggle. James 4, 13 uh, uh, says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Friends, when you receive that third call in your pocket when you're in a meeting and you know something's wrong, when you know you need to take that call because someone keeps trying to ring you, when you feel sick and you start to think, gosh, is something wrong with me? When you're holed up in a hospital, you say, is it too late? Is it too late for me to share with someone or is it too late for me to accept Jesus? And I say, it can be now. Like, what if now were the time that you said, Jesus, you know what? Like, I don't even know how to live my life, but can I, just, 
Can I surrender my life to you? And verse 20 says, He who testifies these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Once again, Jesus reiterates, and I don't think he reiterates because he wants to fill space like I did in my papers in high school. He reiterates because he wants you to know once again, soon, I'm coming soon. The time is at hand. If you lay down fresh cement, you can put your hands in it and you can kind of move it around and adjust it. Uh, You know, as a movie star, I've done that. Um, But you put your hand in for a short time, but, but eventually what happens? It hardens. There will come a day when that cement becomes hard and unforgiving, and it's too late to do anything else with it. Jesus is cautioning his people not to blink, not to close their eyes upon him and think, maybe later. He offers hope. He offers grace. He offers peace. But you must, at some point, commit yourself to him. If that is you, perhaps today is the day and you commit to being a part of the kingdom of God. And, and I hope that you know that I say out of love, please don't wait. Please don't wait. Let's pray. God, we, um, we thank you that you are present, and we thank you that you give us warning after warning after warning. And it's not one of these like jerky warnings. It's not one of those like, hey, kid, get in line. It's a pleading with us, because you love us and care for us, and you desire better for us. You see us toil and struggle. You see us in addiction. You see us in pain, and you say, child. And God, I just thank you so much that you cared enough about me to warn me over and over and over again. And God, I ask for those here who feel like um, that warning's for them. I ask that you would encourage them. If that is you, and you find yourself feeling like, I, am, I don't want to be outside the kingdom of God, then I pray you would pray a simple prayer with me. There's no magic words. There was a dude on the cross next to Jesus who just said, help me, basically. And Jesus said, cool, you're in. But first, what I would ask you to do is to confess silently your sins to God. And so just for a moment, I would ask that you just confess silently. All of us are going to do it with you. God, we thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so is our sin from our sight, from your sight. And we confess you as Lord of our lives now. We say you are God, and you are good, and you came for us, and you are the real thing. You are not a fake. You're not pushing us. You're loving us. So God, today we say we commit our lives to you, and we thank you. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name.